We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm back from vacation, and there's a lot to discuss, like Sean Murphy, White Sox trade rumors. The White Sox adding players to the 40-man roster. And let's try to figure out the MLB free agency market as the qualifying offer deadline has passed. We've seen a couple players accept the qualifying offer. We've seen already one pitcher, Tyler Anderson, decline the qualifying offer and then turn around and sign with the Los Angeles Angels for a three-year deal. And today is my birthday. So we'll be joined by our friends Beef Loaf and Cherizi from the 108 later in the show as we make our best guesses And the MLB free agency, as there's a lot of free agency contests out there. So we'll try to make our best guesses where we think the top 10 free agents will be signing during this offseason. But I'm joined now by the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And Jim, it's official. I am old. I turned 38 years old. But luckily, Jim, there's still Justin Verlander pitching in the major leagues. There's still someone older than me in the majors. Well, one, happy birthday. Two, I'm older than you, and I hurt my back recently doing nothing. So I think I have you beat there. And yeah, I think uh, uh, Verlander is, uh, you know, every, it seems like every five years, every 10 years, there's like a player who keeps that particular segment of uh, baseball fans young. Like, yeah, you know, like, oh, as long as like Omar Vizquel is playing, as long as he like played in the kingdom or like we have the last like surviving uh, Montreal Expo or, uh, you know, Julio Franco was that guy for, you know, I don't know how many <laughs> years he was that, that last surviving player uh, of a generation, like who is younger than a certain uh, cohort. It's like uh, there, there's always that one player. And I'm, so I'm thinking like Verlander with the way he's pitching, he might be that guy uh, for you in that, like, he's just, um, managing to stiff arm father time and be the oldest or the only player older than you still in the majors, like in, in a, in a couple of years. Love it. Keep doing it. Justin <laughs> made me feel not so old, but I do feel old. And 
Yeah, and for my birthday, there's a, there's a few things I want to chat about. The first thing is that the Chicago White Sox made some roster moves. They have added third baseman prospect Brian Ramos to the 40-man roster, along with middle infield prospect Jose Rodriguez to the 40-man roster. Currently, as we are recording this, the White Sox 40-man roster is at 38. And with that deadline, a lot of teams pushed it all the way to 40. I'm always curious when teams do that. They really restrict the flexibility to possibly add or poach other players that go onto waivers, that get cut because other teams have really severe restrictions with a 40-man roster. I think no team suffered as greatly as the Tampa Bay Rays did at the deadline, having to trade a prospect like Xavier Edwards, for example, who I think has got more potential than Jose Rodriguez. He was their third prospect in the farm system. They had to trade Edwards because they don't have any room on the 40-man roster. Uh, The perils of player development. But with this deadline, I am going to be an old man and I'm going to complain. Because this deadline, with all of the articles and all the media coverage, Jim, is a bit fear-mongering. And the fear-mongering is is that if you do not add the prospects that are eligible for the Rule 5 draft, you're going to lose them. Mm -hmm. So I took a deep dive into the Rule 5 draft, the last 10 Rule 5 drafts. So this is from 2011 to 2020. Now, with the Rule 5 draft, is there one round or two rounds of the Rule 5 draft? I think it's two. Okay, so a possible 60 picks can be made in a rule five draft. But usually it's like, you know, if a team doesn't pick in the first round, it doesn't really, they don't go to a second. So it's like, or, or something that like long lines of like, you know, teams that pick in the first round get a second pick, but teams that opt out of the first round maybe aren't, you know, don't get a second crack at it. Not sure. But I want to say for some reason, looking at rule five draft orders, I remember there being like less spots or fewer spots in the second round than the first round. Got it. So we know that at least with the first round, There's 30 picks. Every team could make a pick if they want to. So in the last 10 Rule 5 drafts, only 145 players were selected. Not even half of the eligible picks that teams actually took advantage of with the Rule 5 draft. Out of the 145 players selected, 71% have been pitchers. And 46% of the players selected were actually returned that same season to their original team because the teams that selected the players didn't use them or the roster crunch came up and the whole stash and save idea doesn't come to fruition because actual needs during the regular season come up and they have to return these prospects to the original team. And the Rule 5 draft I have decided is a colossal waste of time and all of these teams, including the White Sox. Now I think Jose Rodriguez, I like Jose Rodriguez. I don't want to give the impression. I don't like Jose Rodriguez, but in the depth chart for the White Sox and middle infielders, he's what fifth or sixth and he's coming off a broken hammock bone. So there's some learning and some rehab. And I know he's playing winter ball right now, but we need to learn where he's at when he returns to the White Sox during spring training. And when he plays with the White Sox, in double uh, A or even triple A, if that's where they want to start them in 2023. But Brian Ramos is still a couple years away from helping the White Sox. And the White Sox have to add these players to the 40 man roster, take up that valuable space, add more fat to it because of the fear that teams could take him in the Rule 5 draft. And I find that fear to be unfounded 
And I don't know who to place the blame on, Jim. I, in a way, I want to blame Baseball America because they spend a lot of time and effort covering the Rule 5 draft. And in reality, not even half the picks are actually used in the last 10 years. And 71% of the players actually selected are pitchers. So what is there to actually fear if teams do not add these position player prospects specifically that are in high A and double A to their 40-man roster? I think the fear is that you lose a player for no good reason. Like that's the thing with like with uh, Ramos and with uh, Rodriguez. Those are two players the White Sox want to keep uh, within like the next three years. They should be part of the White Sox plans if all goes well. They, they're matriculating very well. Um, like Rodriguez in his case, like he's an up the middle player. Up the middle players tend to have utility for teams that are just trying to get by and hide a player on the roster for the entire year. Like I'm thinking like Richie Martin with the Orioles when he was a rule five pick, he lasted the entire year and then was sent back down. Like a guy like Rodriguez is young enough to where, you know, with the injury, like maybe they can start him on the injured list. So maybe that's a case where they only have to, uh, you know, they can get by with him on the injured list for the first two months. And you're talking about like three months they have to keep on the roster. And then September arrives, extra roster spots are there and they can get by the rest of the year. And with, with the White Sox 40-man roster, it's like a case where, you know, they have 38 now, so they still have two open spots. And you look at their pitching, and they have, like, you know, Bennett Souza. I'd be fine if the White Sox cut him in favor of Rodriguez if the 40-man were full. Uh, you know, Nicholas Padilla, who I forgot was added uh, to the Me too. 40-man roster. Um, you know, have some veteran, like, or Jason Billis, another guy. You have, like... Larry Garcia, like, would you want to lose Rodriguez because of Garcia being there? Like, so, you know, they can cut further. So, you know, I think there's a line I draw between like Rodriguez and Ramos. Like, let's say that they are picked and sent back. You're still interrupting their progress. They're, you know, their steady climb upwards. You know, who knows what, you know, they get taught in the new organization. Who knows like what, you know, their plan is. They might come back and be different players, be disrupted. So, for them, I think it's uh, you know a matter of just you know not interrupting a good thing going. Now I think like if you're talking about like Luis Mieses, who's you know interesting, you know had a nice year at Winston Salem, uh, still has like holes to close in his game. We saw it a few years ago when Mike Rodolfo was protected by the White Sox because the Padres went on that run of uh, rebuilding and claiming a few different A ball players. They put them on the roster, kept them the entire year. And other teams thought that, that was going to be a template for like any interesting a ball player for a team that's rebuilding. They're just going to throw away roster spots for the entire year. And so, you know, the white Sox weren't the only team, but like they, they, they protected uh, Adolfo and they protected Luis Basabe and uh, maybe a year earlier than they wanted to. And I think that fear has proven to be completely unfounded or it's, it's proven to be counterproductive for the teams claiming them. But I think for players who are, you know, in double A can be like, you know, in the majors by the end of the year, especially in the case of Rodriguez, who I think is a little bit more advanced than, than Ramos. I think, uh, there's no point in disrupting what has been a very successful existence so far in the minor leagues. And so for that reason alone, I think it's worth putting on the roster and rewarding them for a job well done so far. Sure. But I, st I still don't think they would have been selected. I, I don't. And I, a big part of that is that you do take a Rodriguez, you take a Ramos, and this works for any teams and their prospects adding to the 40-man roster. If you don't think, or the managers don't think they're going to be heavy contributors to their team, 
your 26-man roster is down to 25. And you're playing a player short because you're trying to stash this prospect away. Yeah, they get to wear the uniform. Technically, they travel with the team and they practice with the team. But they're not going to see any playing time in case you have to break the glass in emergency or they're going to pitch run. I remember the White Sox trying to do this with Adrian Nieto way back when we started first-time podcasting, Jim. And, and that didn't turn into anything. It's just in the Rule 5 draft, it's very clear that teams that maybe are looking for like their Jose Ruiz, their eighth guy in the bullpen, are taking AAA relievers that are throwing more than you know harder than 95 miles per hour and see if they stick, or relievers that are in Tommy John surgery that are not added to the 40-man roster that one scout liked within the organization, and they draft him, and they put him on the injured list because they're not going to pitch the entire year, and now they they have taken that player without having to give anything up. That That's clearly what the data in the last 10 Rule 5 drafts is telling me here, especially with 71% of the picks being pitchers. I just, again, with the Rule 5 draft, I find it to be a colossal waste of time. And I'm wondering if there's a better way of doing this moving forward for Major League Baseball. Yes, maybe there should be a 40-man deadline. And maybe there should be a way out for these types of minor league players that maybe if they are blocked, that there's other opportunities for them to join other teams. But the the Rule 5 draft, as it's currently set up, I think there's a lot of fear-mongering I think a lot of that fear is unfounded. The White Sox still have some other fat on the 40-man roster that they need to cut. And I am perfectly fine if you want to cut Lurie Garcia and add Jose Rodriguez. I am perfectly fine with that. So, well, the Rule 5 draft used to be, used to be, I guess, more expansive to where it included more interesting players, like the Johan Santana one. Like the, he's, I forget how they changed the rules. I had to go and look that up. But basically, like that kind of player mm-hmm. is a lot more rare in this Rule 5 draft. So the Rule 5 draft goes by the same name, but it's not quite the Rule 5 draft of... Uh, of of your to where like all of a sudden you know like you know you're you're, you're afraid of that next Johan Santana like you know losing him so I think you know it's a little bit of a uh, mislabeling but I guess you know you look at it in terms of like punishing the team perhaps for having a tie up a roster spot I look at it as rewarding a player for doing a good job and I think as long as the players in question are. Like, say if they did it with Yolbert Sanchez, mm-hmm. who doesn't look really special in any way. Like, I'd say, like, yeah, what's the point of that? But in this case, like, you know, you know, with the trajectory that, that Ramos and Rodriguez are on, like, sure, uh, feather in their cap. They get a, a clubhouse spot in the big boy clubhouse come spring training. Um, just another, uh, another notch uh, along the way for them as, as they climb. And, and you know, I, I don't mind rewarding those guys who are you know, doing everything they can so far at, at the ages they're doing it. I just don't want it to prevent the White Sox from addressing the real needs because right now they got five second basemen in their 40-man roster. They have five starting pitchers. Yeah. Right now with the current 40-man roster. Like they're, they they need the 40-man roster spots. They, they are going to be important at some point. We're very early in the offseason, but yeah, some of this fat needs to be trimmed. Obviously, it's not going to be Brian Ramos or Jose Rodriguez, but other areas of the roster. Unless they're traded. I think right that will have to wait, though, later in the offseason because right now the prospects that teams want are guys they don't have to add to the 40-man roster with everything they just had to do before today's deadline. Uh, So that might – they will definitely be more interested in Colson Montgomery for obvious reasons than Jose Rodriguez, even though Rodriguez is further advanced right now 
than Montgomery. So that's just that's one my one take on the Rule 5 draft and with this uh, adding to the deadline of the 40-man roster also in correspondence with the qualifying offer. Uh, another thing, when I was in New Orleans, the Sean Murphy rumors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of this makes sense to me because the only way that I could fathom the White Sox actually being serious, I don't know, targets of getting Sean Murphy with the Oakland Athletics is if they have some idea where Sean Murphy's your primary catcher. Yasmani Grandal moves over to first base. We're already seeing the Yasmani Grandal is going to bounce back media tour. We just talked about it in our latest podcast as well. While I was away uh, when we contribute as far as age regression and injuries and what is the likelihood that he can bounce back. But if you put Grandal at first, then maybe that opens to the area that you have to move Andrew Vaughn. Does it require moving Andrew Vaughn to Oakland for Sean Murphy? Would the athletics be even interested in that? I just don't know how seriously I should take these types of rumors, Jim. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to me, it struck like a uh, a checking in type thing. Like, may as well ask about Sean Murphy. And if, like, they just happened to, like, Bruce Levine happened to have Sean Murphy in his mind and had some sources and might know about and asked it, like, it could be a case where it, the, the, the ties were very tenuous, but he felt like reporting it nevertheless because, hey, it's uh, just, you know, it's it's something. He heard something. Uh, it's It gets some clicks it gets some 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 resonance early in you know striking the first rumor for the white Sox. so i think more or less you know it's it's harmless and you know i think he's listed you know eight or ten other teams that were interested in murphy so that's kind of how i look at it. it's just like yeah they may as well ask and they probably have just to see what it costs them and, and like you mentioned the the permutations they can run at first base between grandal and vaughn and sheets and everybody else they have like jake Berger even like just may as well just roll these things around but you know come uh a week or now like after the winter meetings i don't expect the white Sox to actually hang in any you know sean murphy discussions i agree again it's just like on a serious level right like on a one to ten ten scale on seriousness i put it at like a three like i think this is far-fetched that could happen and i don't blame rick Hunt picking up the phone and seeing what it would take to get sean murphy I like the idea that they want to improve the roster and there are other ways that they could do it other than maybe the straightforward ways, but they still need to address the straightforward ways of improving the roster. Uh, They can't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. But those are just some of the things that were on my mind while I was away in New Orleans on vacation, but now I'm back and we're going to have some fun. So we're going to take a quick break here at the Sox Machine Podcast. But when we come back, we're going to be looking at the MLB free agency pool. We're already starting to see some guys switch teams. Tyler Anderson is changing out of the Dodger blue. And now he's joined Los Angeles Angels on a three-year deal. So we could see more signings coming up. Where do we think the top free agents will sign? And what is our best guess on the top free agent that the White Sox could possibly sign. We'll be joined by our friends Beef Loaf and Cherizi from the 108 next on the Sox Machine Podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. Now we're going to have some fun. Again, this is my birthday episode, so I wanted to invite... A couple of guys that are my favorites to chat during the birthday podcast episode, and it's our friends from the 108. It is Terezi and Beefloaf, and Terezi and Beefloaf. Terezi, I'll start with you. How are you feeling, man? I'm doing great, man. How about you? It's it's happy birthday, first of all. Thank you. And uh, you know how was how was your birthday trip? New Orleans was a good time. New Orleans is definite hashtag 108ing territory. It's right behind Las Vegas. And Beef, you were just there celebrating your anniversary. I was. Yeah, 20 years. My, my wife and I uh, celebrated our 20th anniversary last month, or two months ago, I guess now, back into uh, late September. Great town, oh, yeah. great food town. New Orleans is a terrific food town as well. Happy birthday, Josh. How old are you these days? Are you, are you, are you willing to say your age, or are you, you know, like... Uh, not willing to share with the audience. No, I, I'm 38. We talked about it at the intro that Justin Verlander is saving me here. As long as he continues to pitch, <laughs> there is still someone older than me in the major leagues. And that's important to me. It's your last hope. <laughs> it is my last hope. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone else is older than Justin Verlander. Maybe he'll have a run like Tom Brady and he's pitching into his mid-40s. That, that would help out my, <laughs> that helped my self-esteem. Nelson Cruz, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nelson oh, yeah, Cruz. that is a good Nelson call. Nelson Cruz is up there, too. That's that's a good call. 42. Nelson Cruz is 42. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Hang you, Nelson there. Cruz and Justin Verlander. You lost Pujols this year, so <laughs> I you, got, got, two you got two left. But with you guys on, uh, one thing that I do want to chat about for our podcast listeners, and tickets are currently on sale right now, is the hashtag 108 day live event at Reggie's on January 7th. 2023 from 8 p.m. to midnight. There is no socks fest, which is fine because hashtag 108 day has breathed as its own thing. We kind of started as the socks, uh, the socks fest after party, but we're still doing it and it's very exciting. And 
any more details, Terezi, that listeners should know about with hashtag 108 Day Live? So I think the most important detail that they should know is I, I heard from Reggie's today and there's almost no tickets left. So it's it's wow. if you were waiting, if you were like, oh, man, I'm going to wait around and get these closer to the date. Like, don't wait even close to Thanksgiving. Like, we're we're out of time. You, you need to get those tickets right now. Well, that is awesome. So a, another sold out event. And uh, there's going to be a couple panels here. And the first panel I'll be hosting we're going to have Herb Lawrence of CHGO and um, a kind of reunion here. Our friend Lawrence Holmes from 670 The Score. So Herbie and Lawrence back together again. That'll be one panel and there's going to be more guests announced later on. Uh, but everybody always looks forward to the second panel with you guys. It is by far away a lot more fun than the panel that I host because it gets off the rails so quick. Who are you guys thinking that will be part of your panel? So, uh, so we, we haven't said this anywhere else, but we have uh, Dave Williams from Barstool Sports is going to be on our panel. And we're noodling on one more person. Uh, we got to get confirmation first on this person before we're willing to release. But we, we really think the audience uh, will love this person. Uh, they hear and see them all over Chicago. So I, I, I think it's a good bet there. Is it Barack Obama? <laughs> it is not Barack Obama. Well, I don't. You know, we, let's confirm it first, Jim. Let's not release it to everybody. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Josh, doubling back to your panel, you know, let's not sleep on... Lawrence Holmes did this uh, show with us back in 2020, right before the uh, the pandemic hit. You had originally invited him to be on your panel. He wasn't going to be on the show, showed up late, ended up on our panel. And just to let your audience know, the Lawrence Holmes that you hear on the radio is not going to be the same Lawrence Holmes that you hear in person when there's no radio. It's a very different show. So he and Herbie are going to be uh, terrific. I mean, they, they were awesome when they did it with us a couple years ago. And Herbie's always good. Herbie's done other live stuff with us. So so the, the, the people who show up to the show, not only can you – you're going to get a different kind of uh, entertainment uh, product there, but you're also going to get to rub bubbles with these people. I mean, Herb Lawrence will be up at the bar buying drinks for everyone. Most of these people are, are willing to cut it up with you before and kind of after the panels. And that's one of the nice things about the hashtag one awaiting day is that it's a small group. I think the, the max is like 110, 120, somewhere in that in the room. And everyone kind of talks to everyone. So it's it's your opportunity to rub elbows with these people, catch up with people from Sox Twitter that you haven't seen in a while. It's kind of the, the midwinter let's get together kind of looking forward to the following season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I missed the previous one in 2020 because uh, we were moving down here uh, that weekend. My wife started her job like the following Monday. So we are moving down to Nashville at the time. But I've. it sounds like the, the Lawrence appearance, it, it still has its own lore. And you still hear people speaking uh, like it's a, you know, like like it half happened like you know, just <laughs> generations have told it the details have changed over time but there's a grain of truth in it that only a few, select few know and i'm really looking forward to seeing what that's all about i think treasy had the audio but he but he deleted it like he destroyed the audio <laughs> it's like the nixon tapes <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> no no so so i had the audio and i was holding it over their head for a long time and then we needed a thumb drive for the last one, for the for last year's, and we used it and it <laughs> overrode exactly. it. So like it's it's gone, it's it's all gone. Like a VHS tape. Exactly. Uh, so that's that's gone. So we're gonna have to relive it. But Josh, I will say, having hosted that panel, I would I would steer clear too many cocktails 
before you announce Herb Lawrence and Lawrence Holmes back to back. It's real easy to trip over those names. Herb Lawrence Holmes. <laughs> yeah, that that's great advice. I will keep that in mind. Again, you can go to Reggie's Live, their website to buy these tickets, and we've been pumping it out on social media as well. And as Treasy said, tickets are almost sold out. So we'll have the link in the podcast post at SoxMachine.com where you can purchase tickets. Once they're gone, they're gone. So we look forward to that. Again, that's going to be Saturday night on January 7, 2023 from 8 p.m. to midnight. Another event to also be considering is the hashtag 1080 road trip. That'll be in Cincinnati for the White Sox and Cincinnati Reds games. That'll be May 5th through the 7th in 2023 that weekend. It is coming up, folks. It's already within six months. So I know a lot of people need time to plan and get everything organized. Who's watching the kids? Who's watching the dog? Maybe who's watching the house? Get time off from work. So if you're one of those people that likes to prepare and plan ahead of time, May 5th through the 7th, we will be in Cincinnati for the hashtag 108 road trip. So those are two big events to look forward to. And now let's play a little game, the free agent pickup and pick them. And I bring this up because as a Sunday guys offline and I'll tell the listeners here, LLB Trade Rumors has the free agent pick them contest where you have to select the top 50 free agents that they pick and where they're going to sign. And last year, I received a random $300 check from Tim Durkis, who runs MLB Trade Rumors. And I had no idea what this was for. Like, I don't do work for MLB (laughs) Trade Rumors. And I finished in second place last year in the MLB (laughs) Trade Rumors contest. I have no idea or recollection of who I actually picked to sign where. (laughs) But I finished in second. So let's see if I can continue this ride. Do you remember entering it? <laughs> I, I, not really. <laughs> but hey, I, I finished in second. So maybe we'll keep the uh, the good luck going and the good vibes here. So we're oh, we're going to cut it down to 10. We're not going to do all 50 because that will be like a four-hour podcast. And there's other White Sox podcasts that have no How fear of getting to that limit. You can watch their shows at YouTube.com. You know, I, I, I got to jump in here before we start this. <laughs> you know, to me, Teresa, I don't know what it smells like to you, Jim. It smells like uh, Josh is sandbagging here, and we're going against the ringer. So I think we're, we got a little bit of a deficit here for us. We, we're, you know, we didn't finish in the top of this contest last year, and he's trying to pretend like he doesn't even remember what he picked. I'm, I'm sure we're facing a ringer right now, so just be prepared. <laughs> he's going to be texting his sources during. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scotty B, where are these clients signing? <laughs> I wonder if someone in his office beat me. <laughs> that would be that would make a lot of sense. Scott Boris as uh, an intern he had those finished locks. first in yeah. the MLB trade rumors got that. What what was what was the top prize? Because like it was like five hundred bucks or something. I hope so. Like I I could see I could see someone being like who who makes a ton of money working for Scott Boris going like you know what though? I need this extra five hundo. I'll risk I'll risk my job for it. <laughs> Why not? All right, so let's get started and you guys can play along while listening. The First free agent that we're going to make our guess is, of course, the biggest, literally, and that's Aaron Judge. And we're just going to pick the team that he's going to sign with. And Jim, I'll start with you. Where do you think Aaron Judge is going to sign with? Going to go boring for this one and say Yankees. All right. How about you, Treasy? You know, I think he's going to go for that uh, 315-foot 
defense out in uh, in Houston. I think the Astros are going to go after him. I think it's going to be a surprise. I think the Yankees, Ooh. Mets, Dodgers are up at the top in the odds, but I think the, the Astros are going to come through and grab him. All right, I like that one. Sneaky. I didn't even think about the Astros. How about you, Beef? You know what? I think the, the theme of my selections are that I, I kind of feel the, the mid-market teams starting to spend more. In, a, in an era in which we have more playoff teams and like it's it's kind of within reach for them. And one team that I think kind of has a lock on their division in general, if they just add talent, because the other teams in their division aren't really trying, is the St. Louis Cardinals. And so I'm going to say Aaron Judge ends up a St. Louis Cardinal. Uh, they can afford to pay him. They, they, they have a couple high-priced uh, players on them, but they have a lot of like Arb and Pre-Arb players. And he fits in perfectly in the roster. They need one Big superstar there, and the the NL is kind of wide open, uh, seeing what the Phillies did last year. So I could see them trying to add and trying to get themselves back to the World Series. God, that would be that would be horrible. Like the Yankees are already tough with Aaron Judge, but if Aaron Judge joined the Astros, like come on, Bregman, <laughs> Alvarez, Judge, good lord, or the Cardinals, Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Judge, brutal. That's why I'm picking the San Francisco Giants. Take the money, go sign with the team, <laughs> and you will hit half of their home runs for the season. <laughs> and I didn't even know this. The last San Francisco Giant to hit 30 or more home runs in a season was Barry Bonds. Nobody on the Giants since Bonds left has hit 30 home hmm. runs. That's, That's amazing. Insane. It is kind of a brutal ballpark, but you're right. It is amazing. No one like no uh, one binked uh, like got like lucky or hit a bunch of like road Brandon home Belt runs. didn't yeah, just right, like exactly. accidentally hit 30 home runs one year, you know. <laughs> and yeah, three World Series titles. Yeah, yeah, right. That is true. So someone hit 30 home runs in the playoffs. That's that's why. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike Morse, <laughs> Travis Ishikawa. <laughs> Remembering some guys in the Giants. So there we go. So we have four different teams for Aaron Judge. Uh, let's go to an old friend here. And I think he's going to sign for more than expected. And that's Carlos Rodon. Cherizi, where do you have Carlos Rodon signing? So this is a tough one. This is a tough one. And I and, and Josh, you mentioned a name of a team to me before. So I'm not going to use it because I'm like, okay, that's, that'll probably be Josh's pick. And I, I like that. But I was looking at the Phillies and the Phillies are probably going to be more desperate for pitching next year after Nola leaves, but like, why not go after it right now? And so I kind of, I, I have my eye on the Phillies to try and make that top three there be, you know, Wheeler, Nola and, and Rodon. And I think it, it, it fits in, in terms of like, they probably need someone who could strike some people out too. And I just, I kind of like that. And I think the Phillies are not afraid to spend, especially in that division. They're going to have to. So I like, I like him in Philly. I like that. I, I do like that. That is a Dave Dombrowski type of move. Good, good call on the Phillies. How about you beef? Where do you have Rodon signing? You know what? I, I think a, a, a team that's been a contender in the, in the AL that I'm not expecting to do a lot on the position player side. I think kind of let their, their farm come up and grow up. And, and like I said, I didn't have them re-signing Aaron Judge. I think the New York Yankees would go after uh, Carlos Rodon. I, I, I think the, the, they need some fortification in the rotation. They, they still do have Garrett Cole. They've got another year of Luis Severino. I mean, do you believe in the Nestor Cortez magic? I could totally see them going and just grabbing themselves a big arm uh, this offseason. The, the, the Blue Jays are hot on their trail. The, the Orioles are no longer a joke. I mean, like the division's getting tougher and tougher, so I could see them going that. All right, how about you, Jim? Where do you see old friend Rodon signing? 
It felt like I could maybe put the Mets or the Rangers for every single pitcher listed here and like get one of them right. So I was tempted to do that. Just like, <laughs> oh, Rangers. Oh, Rangers. Rangers. Just because at least I'd be guaranteed not be shut out. That's kind of how it feels. But in this case, I was trying to think of like, there's got to be some, as you mentioned, like mid-market team or team that hasn't been quite active getting in on one of these guys. And so I was thinking like, I closed my eyes. I tried to picture Rodon in various uniforms and fits. And I wrote down the Orioles. Oh, I like it. Because I'm thinking if they spend big and they need help on the pitching side, with the way they've carved out their left field to be like 30 feet deeper than it was, if, they could, if they're going to spend somewhere, you would think that they would spend like, if they're going to spend on pitching, you think they would want to spend on a lefty who brings those righties to the plates. And even if like Rodon ages and kind of, you know, loses effectiveness over time, he still has the left field bailing him out because I think he's going to have that slider going to, to neutralize lefties from ever like, you know, poking it on the, you know, over the scoreboard onto Utah street. So I kind of thought if they're going to spend big on a pitcher, it would seem to be like a lefty uh, and a power lefty. I think that could neutralize those good lineups in uh, Toronto and, you know, the Yankees get a little bit better than they were in the second half of the season. So that's why I figured I'll, I'll go off the board a little bit and say Baltimore. That's who I also have for Carlos Rodon oh. is the Baltimore Orioles. And for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, Jim, I think from an Orioles perspective, the pitcher that led their team in innings last year was Jordan Lyles. You're not winning the American league East as Jordan Lyles <laughs> no, being your no. being your ace. They need an ace, and I think they're going to go hard at either Carlos Rodon or Jacob DeGrom, maybe both. They've got a lot of cash that they could spend. That would be a huge offseason. So I'm with you, Jim. I also have the Baltimore Orioles for Carlos Rodon, and I mentioned Jacob DeGrom. Let's go to him next. I, I find his free agency fascinating because this is going to be a short-term deal, two years, but it could break the AAV record for any player in Major League Baseball. So, Beef, who do you think is going to do it? Who's going to take that bait on Jacob deGrom and give him more than $44 million a season? I think it's a team that uh, showed last year that they were willing to swing big when you didn't think they would ever swing big on somebody like this. And they are desperate for pitching. And they, they led the AL Central for a good chunk of the year and just let it pitter away. I think that's the Minnesota Twins are going to go after Jacob deGrom. Wow. I can't think of a team that needs him worse than, than the Twins do, someone to anchor that staff. And they have to feel like they're right in it, right? They they had it, and then they had some injuries, and the pitching evaporated on them. They got to be thinking, we reinforce right here. If by one, you know, we get a miracle season where Byron Buxton stays healthy for a little longer, we got this ace, uh, they could see themselves winning the division. That is, that's a sneaky, sneaky good idea, Beef. Because, I'd hate yeah. it. I'd hate it too, but <laughs> yeah. not good. It, it matches well with what, you know, the strategy with Carlos Correa last year. And if DeGrom wants an opt out after one year, if teams are afraid of giving him that type of cash for 30 starts in a season, Minnesota's not afraid. They've done it once. Maybe they could do it again. How about you, Jim? Where do you have DeGrom going? Yeah. Twins like, uh... I was thinking about that a little bit just because when you look at pitching star of teams, but they like, for whatever reason, they're steadfast and like not adding name brand pitching, or they basically do like the Rick Hahn approach to their pitching staff in terms of either we'll trade for guys for the last two years of the deal they're on, or we'll sign Dylan Bundy or Matt Shoemaker and hope we'll get the best out of them. Jay Happ is another one. Like they're what the White Sox are to position players, the twins are to pitching. So it'd really take, uh, <laughs> A, a come to Jesus moment, I think, for the twins to do that. Maybe they will, like, you know, given just the last two of their three years and how uh, the pitching has fallen apart on them, it seemed like they would need to swing big. 
But I think I'm going more chalky with this one and saying the Rangers, just because right now they can afford them. Like maybe in three years, uh, that contract might be hard to, you know, or a similar size contract might be hard to accommodate with Semyon and Seeger on the books. But I think if he's only looking for two years or so, uh, they could probably still integrate him with the core they're working on and uh, minimize the risk long-term that they incurred with the uh, other big contracts they've signed. There's no collusion here. I also have the Texas Rangers. We need that cash for socks machine, guys. We talk so. too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Treasy? Where do you have DeGrom going? I'm staying in that division, but maybe a little uh, little bit of a wild card here because I, I, would think, I was trying to think about teams that would be like, I'll give a guy a lot of money for a really short amount of time. And there's a team who's got a, some really good players one of which is going to be a free agent very soon, and that's the Angels. And, like, if there's ever a team that needed to, like, jam in some talent real fast to take advantage of the massive talent they have at the top of the roster, like, the Angels feel like that. And it also is is kind of a, you know, is this a really good position for DeGrom to be in if he pitches every sixth day instead of every fifth? You know, or if they are able to mix and match a little bit so he doesn't have to pitch kind of every turn in the rotation? Like, so... It's it's weird to say like let's give this guy a ton of money, but let's not pitch him every fifth day. <laughs> but like it it could be the scenario to to try and keep him healthy and to try and maximize your output from that team. Wow, Degrom and Otani, and now Tyler Anderson that they just signed to help eat some yep. innings. I like I like that idea. I, I like these sneaky good picks that Cherizi and Beef Loaf are bringing to the table. So let's go to Justin Verlander. And Jim, I'll have you start. Where do you see the guy that's keeping me on uh, play for in 2023? I originally thought about returning to the Astros, but I think, you know, given that he hasn't signed there yet, given that Jim Crane is being weird, uh, I think there does uh, open the opportunity for him to go elsewhere. So I'm thinking if DeGrom goes, maybe Verlander slides into where that roster spot was. The Mets said, did I take your idea again? Yes, you did. That's three for three. (laughs) That's three in a row. Awesome. I, I have the Mets too. Okay. All right. Excellent. It's orange whips, orange whips. I have the Mets <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. It seemed like, not, cause they just did the Scherzer thing too. So, I so, said so Colin one is year willing 50. to spend. <laughs> one year, 50 million. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Go year to year with them, right? <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense though for Verlander, right? He can pretty much just be a mercenary sign top dollar. These one year deals are just bounced from team to team that he thinks has the best shot of winning the World Series. That's kind of like what Cole Hamels did, except Verlander's actually pitching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting that part wrong. Cole Hamels had it right. He didn't have to play. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to perform. Uh, so we all have the Mets for Justin Verlander and reuniting with Max Scherzer. This free agent... I think he's going to have an interesting market that could go in a lot of ways. And I know Jim, you've mentioned that you would love to see him in a white Sox uniform. That's outfielder Brandon Nimmo and Cherizy. I'll start with you. Where do you think Nimmo ultimately signs? Because he's not going to sign for Aaron judge money, but he is the second highest ranked outfielder in this free agency class. He's, he's going to get a lot of money. I, I and me and beef have a bit of an inside running joke about how, Nimmo runs to first base, like top speed when he walks, which we just hate. Um, (laughs) And that, that trait does like, that just feels so Rockies to me. Uh, Like I can't, I can't stop thinking about like, 
Brandon Nimmo and Chris Bryant just making a ton of money doing nothing. Like that's that's just like what I envision his future to be. So I'm going I'm going with the Rockies. I also have the Colorado Rockies for that yes. same reason. Ridiculous. <laughs> because it's the Rockies. He's from Wyoming. It just makes sense. You know, Denver's really close to Wyoming. Not really. We're, uh, <laughs> they're just here to have fun. They're just here to have fun out in the field. Yes. Uh, that you know that's just that would be one heck of an outfield. Nimmo. Charlie Blackman. Watch, they still have Charlie Blackman play center. That's right. Switch him up. (laughs) (laughs) Can't move. Can't move Charlie Blackman out of center field. He's got to stay there. How about you, Beef? Where do you see Brandon Nimmo signing with? I'm going to go a shot in the dark here. A team that has almost completely clean payroll. They just changed over their manager. They've kind of changed over ownership in recent years. And they are dying for a center fielder. Like, they could really use a center fielder bad. And that's the Kansas City Royals. And they have almost no money out there on the street right now. And it would make sense for them to grab a high-profile player. You've got Bobby Witt in place, my guy, the Italian Nightmare at, at first base, uh, crushing home runs. Uh, MJ Melendez is coming through. I mean, like they're starting to build a, a core on the position player side, but they really need one of those uh, one of those big star-type players. And, and so I, I think he's just a perfect fit for that team, running around and chasing down fly balls in the gaps in Kaufman. So I'll, I'll, go, uh, I'll go Royals. So you got... Some heavy free agents here. You got Jacob DeGrom signing with the Twins and Brandon Nimmo signing with the Royals. That would really shake up the American League Central in a big way. You guys are getting a glimpse of what beef was like when we grew up, man. Just like never, (laughs) never mean to me, really, but just ruining my day constantly with things like this. (laughs) How about you, Jim? Where do you have Brandon Nimmo going? It should surprise nobody by now that I picked the Rockies as well, just because <laughs> it was introduced. The idea was yes. introduced, I think, by like a Rockies beat writer during a chat or something like that. You know, I guess like early things he's heard or just kind of some idle speculation about like what it costs or like, you know, free agents, the Rockies would be willing to pay for. And he said something like that. The They'd be interested in Nemo. And I just thought like. Yeah, that makes sense for the same idea. Like he could be so much more useful to other teams who are on the cusp of doing something better. And he just kind of goes to the Rockies and farts around and, and, and collects a paycheck. So that's kind of like once that idea was planted in my head, I just thought, yeah, I guess like that just, yeah, that, that, that made too I much. Want, it made no so sense. And because it made no sense, it made sense. Because it's the Rockies. <laughs> He's going to go out there and put together a couple six-win seasons on some 72-win Rockies teams. But every other <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As he heads into free agency, they refuse to trade him. Yep. That's <laughs> yeah, he and Chris Bryant will never be good at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like the Chicago White Sox of the National That's League, right. in a way. Unfortunately. Uh, all right. So we've been, uh, I've been waiting here because obviously these guys will also have control of the spotlight along with Aaron judge. And it's the four shortstops that are available. Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. We're going to start with Carlos Correa and Jim, I'll have you kick it off here with Correa. Where do you think Correa signs after opting out with the Minnesota twins? I'm going to say you go first because I keep sure. <laughs> jumping on your ideas or stealing them. So, sure. yeah. so <laughs> I have the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. We have different teams. <laughs> I know that's a, that's a weird pairing and Dodgers fans should be prepared because they hate Carlos Correa being part of the 2017 Houston Astros team. They hate Correa. And I don't know if they're going to sign him to a 10 year deal, but I think he makes a lot of sense for them, especially defensively. 
and especially with his postseason experience. And I'm just getting the vibes that Trey Turner is not going to stick around in Los Angeles. And the Dodgers, they don't necessarily need to sign Carlos Correa. They they have plenty of middle infield prospects. But it's just not the Dodger way. They always find a way to make a big splash, especially the position player side. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers as the is the wild card here in signing Carlos Correa. So now back to you, Jim. Who do you got for Correa? I went with the Cubs just because it seems like they're poised to do something. They've had some tussles, I guess, you know, or maybe not directly, but there were some rumored, um, you know, I guess back and forth about Korea not wanting to sign with the Cubs before they're ready to contend. But I think like if they, to me, that makes it seem like, well, they've maybe been talking before and, you know, they've maybe had some amount of dialogue there a year later. The Cubs, I think were a little bit better or more competent, uh, than everybody expected last year. So I think in like, well, maybe it's now's a time for a career to get like his five to seven year deal. He's young enough to where like it makes sense to give him the money. So I think the Cubs, you know, they, they've shown the willingness to spend before. So I think, you know, he makes more, I think the Cubs are going to come away with the shortstop. And I think of that group, he makes the most sense because of his, uh, you know, just the impact he has made the impact he can make given that he's still in his late twenties. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess the rumor was before Carlos Correa signed out with Scott Boris as his agent, there was hot and heavy conversations between the Cubs and Carlos Correa. And uh, we'll see if they revisit that. But a lot of people in the north side would love for Carlos Correa to join the Chicago Cubs. How about you, Cherizi? Where do you have Correa going? Well, the Cubs thing just kind of plays right into what I was thinking about because I was thinking – who like it seems like they're they're kind of coupled here where you're like oh this is this could be a, a big signing for the Cubs who would like to disrupt that more than the St. Louis Cardinals and I think the hmm. St. Louis Cardinals would move their infield around to to make that work like that I, I think they have uh, is it the Young and uh, Edmund who are like kind of possibilities at, at short I think they would you guys play second base in right field now or whatever uh, we're gonna make way for him to play shortstop and I think. Beef to your point earlier about them adding a superstar, Correa could be that guy. And that that's one heck of an infield once you do that. How about you, Beef? Where do you got Correa going? You know what, Josh? I agree with you on the Dodgers, uh, particularly because it looks like the Dodgers, they're, they're willing to pay top dollar when the player has a broad set of skills. So they were willing to do it for Betts because he's a, a, two, a terrific two-way player. They're willing to do it for Freddie Freeman, again, a terrific two-way player, someone who plays defense and offense extremely well. Correa fits that mold, too. I mean, there's no reason that they wouldn't continue down this trend of buying those types of players and those types of players that age well, make a lot of contact, uh, but also are good plate discipline. Like, it's kind of a – they're not all the same player, but they have similar types of skill sets when you when you talk about uh, the broadness of their abilities across uh, various disciplines. So, I, it, to me, it makes sense that uh, Correa will be Dodger. All right, so let's go to the next shortstop, but that's Sander Bogarts. And Cherizi, do you think Bogarts is going to go back to Boston or do you see him signing elsewhere? I, I don't want him to go to Boston because I want that offseason to be absolute chaos. So, like, I, I'm, I'm rooting for the chaos of what that offseason could be. Um, but I, I just was thinking back to when uh, Nomar Garcia Parra was, was 30 years old and was on the Red Sox and then went to the Cubs and then only played, like, you know, 60 games that one season. That's that's what I'm hoping for here. Uh, the Cubs sign him and then he does nothing. That would that would be that would warm my heart. <laughs> All right. <laughs> poor poor yeah. Xander Bogart. Put an X on him. The, I know. <laughs> getting the ire of Jersey. He'll be fine. 
He'll be fine. He'll go to the. He'll go to the. Hey, if he goes to the Dodgers after that, like Garcia Parra did, he'll be fine. <laughs> uh, how about you, Beef? Where do you see Xander Bogarts going? Uh, you know, I think the, I think the Phillies need to make a big splash, and they got an opening at shortstop. And truth be told, he could eventually age into third base, like uh, a terrific hitter, a guy who you're. You know, the defense is hit, hit or miss. Some years he's been, uh, the metrics think he's pretty bad. Other years, not so much. But, I mean, that, that's just a great offense to walk into, and they could really use a, a premium player up the middle like that. So I think he goes to the Phillies. That's two for two beef with the shortstops. I also agree. <laughs> I think Dave Dabrowski will get that reunion back with Xander Bogarts from his Boston days and add him to the Phillies roster, move Bryson Stott over to second base. How about you, Jim? Where do you see Bogarts signing? I, I want to say, and I think I'm going to stick with it because I thought the Dodgers, you know, talking about a broad base of skills, like Bogarts kind of fits that. And I could see them, you know, Turner moving on and Bogarts just going into Los Angeles and being like a an under the radar player who doesn't need to be like the best player on the team because they have so many other guys. Uh, but is this the time where the Red Sox finally retain one of their own players who is going to be hitting free agency? Like, is this going to be a case where they finally spend like <laughs> They need somebody. So I'm going to say like maybe the Red Sox stick with him, but it's going to be like a kind of an unhappy process that leads him back there. Like the Red Sox never do these things smoothly. <laughs> and yeah. Cause they have the whole Raphael Devers situation. I know I really enjoyed your guys, series of the White Sox making a trade with every single team in major league baseball. And yeah, the, De- the Devers trade, I think not only is it plausible, it could be likely as the off season moves on, because he just has one year left and he wants to test free agency and he should because he's going to make a lot of money next year in free agency. Even if the Red Sox offer him the the qualifying offer, which could be more than $20 million next year, Devers could easily beat that in free agency. So to Jim's point, if it's not Bogarts, well, the next target is Devers and it seems like conversations are not going well. And after Devers, I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I mean, they signed Trevor Story to that deal. So I guess he's their plan B at shortstop for the yeah. time being if they don't bring back Bogarts. Yeah, the fact that Bogarts in the Red Sox it hasn't gotten acrimonious yet is probably like the biggest point in favor of the Red Sox signing him. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's not toxic. So that means it has to be good. Like, <laughs> that seems how it works there as players start thinking about leaving Boston. It gets ugly fast. So That is true. All right, so let's talk about Trey Turner. And Beef, I'll have you start here. Where do you see Trey Turner going? Great, because this is way outside the box. Uh, again, with the middle market teams and a team that needs to make a big splash, a team that has stunk on offense, but they're going to have the runaway uh, NL Cy Young Award winner. I think Kim Ng makes a big splash here, and the Marlins go sign Trey Turner. Now, that's a team that could really use him. They need a six-win player. up there. Actually, they need any six-win player on offense. They, they have nothing on offense, and I think that's kind of the way to start it, the catalyst. They've tried kind of uh, at the fringes, adding corner outfield types. None of it's worked. Just go by an up-the-middle player. And so I, I could see them finally making a big splash, finally spending some money, and putting some teeth behind that pitching. I I like this idea. Turner and Jazz up the middle, that's a pretty exciting shortstop, second-base combo. How about you, Jim? Where What are you feeling about Trey Turner here? Could he stay in L.A., or do you see him signing elsewhere? I have him going to the Phillies just as, like, uh, you know, for the same reasons you mentioned, uh, you know, Bogart's going there, like just, you know, as a, they need a shortstop, um, Dombrowski values star players at key positions. I just have Turner being like more of an, uh, I guess, antidote to what the Phillies are. Like you have this like 
heavy, burly, slugging team. And now here comes like a slick, polished player who is very athletic and a great base runner and like uh, is as pretty on the field as the Phillies are ugly. So he kind of strikes me as like he's going to solve every all of our shortcomings in one player. And, you know, 30 million dollars a year is kind of how I'm thinking like Dombrowski will attack this. I like it. How about you, Trees? Where do you see Trey Turner going? He's he's the one that got the John Ham uh, reel, yes. right? Like, the, yeah, that's that was. I mean, like that should that should add like ten million to his contract, which kind of prices out a lot of teams. <laughs> uh, I actually I had I had two ideas here because like for one I was like okay what teams steal bases right and and because there's not really many left right and the Yankees are actually one of the teams that were above a hundred stolen bases last year, so I was thinking about the Yankees, but then I was also thinking like Trey Turner is honestly a really good second baseman. And, like, could a team deploy him as a second baseman, a power-hitting second baseman? And I thought the the Giants could be that team. Like, they could leave Crawford at short and play a really good shortstop, and, you know, maybe he, he gets – maybe the power comes back somehow, but you put Turner at second, and Turner is just a, a force at second base. And so I, I kind of like him going to the Giants. All right. I, that's an interesting move to play second base. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to pay him a lot of money to yeah, do it. But it. Also, Crawford's at the, I think, at the end of his contract. So it could be like, hey, this year, you know, we're doing this. But, you know, shortstop is yours after that or, or sign a shortstop next year. Mm, that is true. It is the San Francisco Giants. They're ready to spend some money. So let's go back to Jim here. And then the fourth shortstop is Dansby Swanson. Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, had a column on things that he was hearing. And it sounds like when it comes to the Dansby situation in Atlanta, that Atlanta doesn't want to pay more than $22 million a season for Dansby Swanson because their payroll is going to skyrocket, kind of like we are seeing the White Sox payroll skyrocket with these early contracts that they signed with the core players. So with that being said, Dansby Swanson's an Atlanta guy. He's a Georgia kid. He's the hometown shortstop. Does he stay in Atlanta, Jim, or do you see him signing elsewhere? After the Freddie Freeman situation, I, I think, you know, the Braves have shown the ability to draw a hard line and move on and move on fast. So I think they move on. I'm thinking like when it comes to teams that tend to get or pick up a guy who misses on musical chairs uh, and they need a shortstop and they're looking to replace one. I have Swanson going to the Twins. Because they tend to be the home for like Josh Donaldson. When Josh Donaldson couldn't find a home, the, the Braves were on the teams that were vying for services but didn't want to pay the price. Uh, the Twins paid the price. When it came to Carlos Correa, uh, there was a little bit of talk with uh, Correa and the, the Braves and maybe the Braves uh, you know, trying to make room for him and, and move Swanson aside. But uh, the instead, uh, the Twins signed Correa. So they seem to be the one who like will pay... Uh, more than anybody else, or like you know, will have that top dollarish price, uh, even if he isn't a player's first choice. Uh, so that's why I think the Twins maybe try to pick him up in a bargain. And also, I think it's kind of a twin signing in that, like, 
it could either work out well or very poorly. Uh, I think uh, when it comes to the position player ranks, like they, <laughs> they have extreme swings and the kind of fortune they get from guys on their own roster. Like Max Kepler goes from awesome to terrible and Byron Buxton goes from MVP to non-existent. And so he strikes me as that player. When you look at his track record of being like, well, he could be, you know, a great career placement, or he could be like Jason Bartlett, you know, just all over again, or just, uh, you know, very much a twin signing that doesn't get him over the top. So he makes sense to me for me, uh, me in Minnesota. How about you, Cherizi? Where do you see Dansby Swanson signing? Just because I want these guys to get a big free agent signing, I want them to go to the Orioles. I want to see the Orioles uh, fill shortstop with a with a premium player and and someone who might be able to hit, you know. 25, maybe 30 home runs, maybe not in that park. So let's go 20 to 25 home runs. Um, but yeah, I, I think Swanson could be a, a, a good fit on that team because they've got a lot of young players. They got a lot of good stuff there, but they don't really have much up the middle. We've talked about the Orioles being a contender for one of these top shortstop free agents that are available. So I like it, Truzy. How about you, Beef? Do you, are you thinking Baltimore as well, or is there another team? I think he's going to stay in Atlanta. So even even despite all the information you brought up, I, I think a couple things are working in the favor of the of the Braves bringing him back. Number one, he's the least impact player on, from the offensive side out of the shortstops that are out there. He's the worst hitter, basically, or the worst offensive player there. Uh, two, I mean, the Braves' next man up isn't uh, is just like a, a nominal kind of a defender guy. I think it's uh, Vaughn Grissom. So they don't have a replacement in house. Like in these other situations, they were willing to let people walk because they could either make a nice easy trade or they had someone sitting there behind them, so it was easy enough. And then two, I mean, they're, they're the one team that has to show their revenue out in public, so they're going to get dragged. And they just won 101 games. There's no reason not to reinvest into the team. And, and you got a local guy, you might as well reinvest in that local guy. So I think he ends up staying there. And I think his market's not going to be as healthy as some of these other guys. I, I think teams are going to be willing to pay top dollar for the other shortstops. I think his market's going to come in at the bottom of, of, of this group. And so I think he ends up staying in Atlanta. One thing I just noticed, I did not give my Trey Turner pick. I have Turner signing with the Angels. That will be the Angels' oh, wow. big move. To help bolster as far as their lineup and kind of add service protection if they do lose Shohei Otani to free agency. For Swanson, I know that Jim mentioned Correa to the Cubs, and I think that's got a lot of steam to it. But in when I'm looking at free agency, I see Correa going to the Dodgers and the Cubs pivoting, and I think Dansby Swanson really fits with the type of player they want up the middle. Nico Horner had a very good season, and I think that they are satisfied moving Horner over to second base. What they do then with Nick Madrigal, I have no idea. Suddenly, Nick Madrigal goes from fourth overall pick, future second base with the Chicago White Sox, star headliner in the in the Craig Kimbrell trade, to not having a spot with the Chicago Cubs. Like That is a pretty significant downfall for a former top five pick in the Major League Baseball draft. But I see Dansby Swanson being a little better version of Nico Horner. And the Cubs are going to spend some cash this year. So with the Braves, I, I think the Braves are going to have to do something creative on the shortstop side. I don't think they meet the the offer from the Cubs. And that's where I got Dansby Swanson signing with the Chicago Cubs. So we got the shortstops taken care of. There's two more items on our list under free agent pick them. And this one's going to hurt. And the next player is Jose Abreu. I doubt that he's coming back to the White Sox. Maybe you guys have the White Sox. 
bringing back Jose Abreu. But Beef, I will start with you first. Where do you see Jose Abreu signing with in 2023? I mean, I, I searched around. There's a lot of teams that could use a Jose Abreu, especially with uh, 30 teams not having DHs. But I really want him to go somewhere where it'll make all the people that are are sort of like, yes, it's time to move on from Jose. This is the smart thing to do. I want him to go to a known smart team so that those people got egg on their face. So I have him going to the Tampa Rays and becoming their everyday first baseman. They could afford it. I don't know if they would ever put out that much money. They are in need of that particular spot on the roster. And so it would make just way too much sense for him to go there. Okay. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, Anthony Rizzo signed today, re-signed with the New York Yankees, and he's getting $17 million for the next two seasons. And then there's some creative math where there's like an extra $6 million or a player option for the 2025 season. But focusing on the $17 million AAV for the next two seasons, Beefloaf, do you think Abreu beats Rizzo in the next two years if he signs a two-year deal, or could he get something similar? No, I think something similar, maybe slightly less. I mean, I think I think Rizzo's known as a better defender, even though Jose Abreu's defense has kind of gotten better with age, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. But I think he ends up he ends up getting less. He's older as well, so I, I think he gets less. I, I do like the Rays pick. How about you, Jim? Where do you see Jose Abreu signing? I've mentioned it before, and now that Rizzo has signed, he was rumored to be a, a possible candidate for the spot. The Astros make a lot of sense. And I also think there's something kind of poetic or, or like a little bit uh, unfortunate for Abreu and that like, you know, they're they're having the front office drama right now with Houston. So like I can imagine him going to Houston just thinking, oh, finally, a competent organization that does not have like ownership uh, problems, like limiting uh, the ceiling of what this team can accomplish. And then he goes to Houston just as Jim Crane is like overhauling the front office and like. Yeah, Bray was a Jim Crane signing, and then who knows what happens from there. But it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they they won with Yuli Gurriel, who was, you know, he, I think he fit like a niche for them in the postseason, but for the 162 games beforehand, pretty much a non-factor. So he can upgrade over that. The There's short portion left. Right field is reachable for opposite field power. Makes a lot of sense there. Yeah, I have the Houston Astros as well. And by signing with the Astros, Jose Abreu hits 30 home runs again. And drives in more than 100 RBIs because, of course, <laughs> there we go. Uh, I think he would yep. do very well in Houston. And Gurriel's 39, year, 39 years old. Like, it's time for the Astros to move on. And even though Abreu's up there in age still, it, it just makes a lot of sense as well that the Astros sign Jose Abreu. So we got the Astros, we got the Rays, two organizations known to make smart decisions. Cherezi, who do you got Jose Abreu signing with? So I was I was actually looking at the Rays, but I, I at the end of the day I'm I'm gonna go with this team and I think they're gonna use them as a DH and I think that they're gonna leave low at first base and it's gonna be the Rangers and that lineup will be insane that that's gonna be a lot of mashing in that lineup and they don't need the home runs out of him uh, as much as the other teams might so it could be a really good fit where they're like just do what you do all the time and that would be perfect for our DH spot. No, oh, that's wow. So you got Garcia, you got Seager, you got Simeon, you got Lowe. Boy, that Rangers, that Rangers lineup. I I know a lot of people make the joke that, oh, they're adding all these players and spending all this money to finish in third place. But you have to do that, right? They have a chance to make it to the wild card, but Seattle and Houston are still going to be tough for the next couple of years 
what other option do you have not trying and being terrible like the athletics? So I, I encourage the Rangers to make this type of move. I mean, in that if you're if you're just trying to like go like, hey, we might be a third place team, but I want to make money doing this. You get a lineup that is exciting that people will go. I any time I go to watch the Rangers, they might win because they could put up 15 runs. That is true. And hey, the third place team, in the National League East won the pennant, the Philadelphia Phillies. With that same strategy, we're just going to bash. And maybe we'll make it to the playoffs. And if we make it to the playoffs, you're not going to like us because we could hit. So I, I like the, the Rangers for Jose Bray, Treasy. And then finally, this is going to be more wide open, but we're going to pick one free agent target that we think the Chicago White Sox are going to sign. And even though Rick Hahn says that the trade market's going to be more fruitful, the White Sox still play around in free agency, and they still sign someone and bring them into the fold. So I'm going to start with you, Jim. Who do you think is going to be the free agent, the, the, the big free agent the White Sox signed this offseason? I really wanted to bring everybody down and say Jason Hayward. Like, <laughs> say, like, Ooh. left-handed bats. <laughs> yeah. No, I was looking at it like, you know, when it comes to targets, like Nemo makes the most sense in terms of like, yeah, and I already mentioned him going to the Rockies, so he's not my choice. But like, if if I had optimism about the White Sox, like closing a deal for once, uh, even if it took like a hundred million dollars, like Nemo would be the guy just because he does everything the White Sox don't do left side on base, uh, covers three outfield positions. And if the White Sox get bad, like they can carry his contract on the books, uh, while they you know, retrench the way that they did with James Shields, just kind of being there for, you know, eating innings. But, you know, looking at the guys who fit and just setting my sights much, 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 much lower, I'm going to throw out Adam Frazier. Like, this is going to be the uh, year. Finally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what's going to happen uh, after one and a half bad seasons. Like, lefty uh, plays second base, can fill in a bunch of outfield positions, draw some walks, doesn't strike out. Like, does enough of what the White Sox don't do to be a passable solution, but also doesn't do anything particularly well, which is another guy the White Sox like. So... <laughs> That's why I have Frazier there. It's prime, prime Reading read yeah. my mind, Jim. <laughs> reading my mind here. I love it. I love it. All right. So, Cherise, do you also have Adam Frazier as the big free agent signing for the White Sox? I do not. But I, I, I have the same feeling about the who the White Sox like. And, like, you know, hey, Rick, we need an outfielder and we need a second baseman. And he says, I got the guy because he's going to sign Jerks and uh, Profar. That's that seems like a that seems like mm. a very very White Sox <laughs> signing and and that it's someone that they'll really parade out there and be like this guy can do everything, <laughs> but not not really. He's the spork. <laughs> <laughs> I already see the t-shirts. Oh, love it. All right, so this We'd is have very... two Luries. How great would that be? Yeah, just build the entire team out of Lurie Garcia. <laughs> All right, so this is this is really optimistic right now. Our listeners are getting really depressed up. after listening to the first two names. How about you, Beef? Who do, who do you think got it for the White Sox big free agent signing? Apologies, uh, Josh. It's not going to get better here. Uh, my, I, I had to choose my biggest free agent <laughs> signing for my Sox machine offseason plan, and that was a platoon, uh, strong side platoon left fielder, and that's David Peralta. Uh, I could totally see the White Sox just grabbing mm. left-handed bat outfield guy. I know, Jim. He was uh, less than stellar when he went uh, to the Rays after the trade deadline. Still defends okay. Uh, you know, so th that's a big delta right there between what they were doing in left field last year to this year. But, again, incredibly underwhelming. O old. 
uh, can still hit right or still could hit right in pitching last year. Who knows when he arrives? That that's the kind of uh, move I see them making. All right, so we got Adam Frazier, save us, Jerks and Profar, save us, Josh, and David Peralta, save us. I am save going us. to be aiming a little higher, and I do think it's going to be in the outfield, and it's someone that Pedro Grafal knows well, and that's Andrew Benatendi. I think he will fit right in with the White Sox spending habits. Like four years, $60 million, I think we'll be able to land Andrew Benatendi. The third tier of outfield free agencies. You look at the first and second tier, those expensive cars and the lots, and you dream. But in reality, you know you're going to be buying the Honda, and it's going to be used. And that's Andrew Benatendi uh, comparing him to Brandon Nimmo and uh, obviously Aaron Judge. And... Grafal is going to be able to plug him into left field, maybe hit him second in the lineup behind Tim Anderson for a lot of the things that Jim mentioned hits on the left side and OBP guy. He's the poor man, Brandon Nimmo in this free agency. And if the White Sox can't afford Brandon Nimmo, uh, they should be able to afford Andrew Benatendi. So that that's who I think they'll be their big free agent signing. I also can't discount them signing another reliever. Uh, to another eight or nine million dollar deal. <laughs> yes. I don't know which one. It's it's scarce out there. There's not a lot of relievers left. But the thing is, Josh, the reliever market's going up, so it might be ten or eleven million now. That might be the market price now for the for the Joe Kellys of the world. You never know. That's uh... hasn't stopped the White Sox in the past, and maybe it won't stop him in the future. You, you called Benintendi the Honda. Like where does where so where does that rank against the Beretta? Like where, like where, where are we looking? Well, the Chevy Beretta. How much better are we? Well, see, the Chevy Beretta nickname stuck with AJ Pollock because, like most Chevy Berettas today, you do not know if they're going to start. Like you plug the key in and you try to turn it over, and maybe it starts. And if it does, you have the opportunity of having a good day. But more times than not, that car is not going to turn over. And it's just going to sit there and do nothing. And that was pretty much the A.J. Pollock experience with the Chicago White Sox in 2022. When it ran, it was fun. It did not run often. The Chevy Beretta. Well, the thing with Ben and Tenny, too, is that there's an element of Kenny gets his guy because he was picked one selection uh. before Carson Fulmer. And if the Red Sox didn't pick Ben Benintendi, perhaps he would have been on the White Sox uh, to begin with. So there is that element of perhaps uh, longing since, uh, you know, the, uh, what year would that be? 2015. Yes. So yeah, uh, you have that going for you in that case. Also, he does fit that bill too. Like we were talking about this in the Sox machine comments about Ben Tenney and just saying like, he is another one of those guys who just fits that white Sox mold of doing a bunch of things. Okay. Uh, but also like if you need, like in, in my problem with signing Ben Tenney is like, you know, he hits righties well enough, but like if the kind of hitting tool goes away. Like, what does he have? He's not that fast. He doesn't play that great a defense. Doesn't draw a ton of walks. Doesn't hit for power. So like if the hit tool goes, what's left? Like not a whole lot. And like, that is kind of a white Sox guy. Like he needs the He's natural batting average. He needs to hit like 300 or 290 to be a viable player. And that does fit with who the white Sox gravitate towards. Might be terrible. Is the white Sox kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> well it's like i remember like yeah and and looking back on this like there's an earl weaver quote that talked about like that yeah i think it was in the bill james guide to managers and talked about how earl weaver always wanted a purpose for any guy he had in the roster like this guy is starting because he's a great defender this guy's starting because he hits lefties and this guy's in the roster because he hits righties for the guy who hits lefties 
And I remember like citing that first, uh, and I had to cite this a lot because uh, when the White Sox traded for and extended Mark Tian, like Mark Tian was that guy, like he plays a bunch of positions. He hits 270 and hits 15 homers and can run a little bit. Like he does a lot of things. Like, but which one of them does he, does he do well? Like what's his actual meal ticket in the majors? Like, I don't know. And like that, that delays on the Royals. <laughs> and, and then, you know, the hit tool goes away, he gets hurt and like that, everything, you know, uh, uh, disintegrates on him. And all of a sudden, like the, you know, the three-year extension looks like an albatross for the White Sox. So that's kind of, Benintendi's better than that, but it just along the same lines of like, if he doesn't hit 290, if he gets hurt, gets banged up, um, you know, wrist gets hit by a pitch, like, what can he do? Like, not a whole lot, not, not enough to make a difference. So, yeah, he has crossed my mind. Wow. The White Sox <laughs> in the contention window. A lot to look forward to in this free agency from our perspective. Believe in the core. Believe in the core. <laughs> Stay healthy, everyone. 2023. Sorry. Basically, stay healthy. We'll be fine if everyone stays healthy. But those are our free agent picks. And again, you guys can play along. You can post your picks in the Sorry. comment section. <laughs> the Sox Machine we apologize. podcast post. And again, if you are interested in competing against me to win some sweet cash, you can go to MLBTradeRumors.com. You have until November 16th today to make your picks for the MLB Trade Rumors free agent pickup contest. There's a total of 50 players. We covered 10 of them. And uh, best of luck if you are going up against me. And uh, who knows? Maybe you'll be winning some cash this year. But that will do it for this Sox Machine podcast. Cash you forget about. Cash that you forget about. <laughs> it's the best kind of cash. Yeah. Well, that will do it for this episode. Beefloaf and Cherizi from the 108. You guys can follow them on Twitter. They're at from the 108. You can follow Beefloaf at Mr. Delicious 13, the most ridiculous Twitter handle ever. <laughs> and then you can follow Cherizi on Twitter at Cherizi as long as Twitter still exists. Cherizi, thank you so much for hopping on, man. Greatly Dude, appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me and happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Josh. Thank you. And, uh, and Beef, uh, I already owe you one steak dinner, but let's go 49ers so we can uh, even this out. Stay alive. And that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. You can follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. If you enjoy our work and you want more from us, Sign up at patreon.com slash SoxMachine, where our Patreon supporters, they get exclusive content, they get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website, and when we have new Sox Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. We also have a new tier of support, our Veterans Committee, which get, grants you even more access to both Jim and I, and monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, visit patreon.com slash SoxMachine to sign up today. Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.